TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The United States has urged North Korea to engage in serious negotiations after the North Korean regime launched a spy satellite into orbit yesterday. This came as the state-run Korean Central News Agency claimed that North Korea had placed a spy satellite named Malignyang-1 into orbit using its Kalama-1 carrier rocket. The news agency said in a subsequent report that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un receives aerospace images of major U.S. military bases in Guam from a spy satellite. The spy satellite is expected to begin its formal reconnaissance mission on December 1st after completing a detailed piloting process, which could take up to 7 to 10 days. Australia could lose its 2026 Commonwealth Games hosting rights, since no state is interested in holding the event after Victoria withdrew in July. There are three months left for the nation to find a host for the multi-sport event. Three other unnamed regions have emerged as potential candidates to host the Games in 2026 or 2027, according to Commonwealth Games Federation Chief Executive Katie Sadler, who said that nothing is sure at present and there was a very short period of time to find a host for the Games. While the final decision on the new host is expected in February, postponing the Games to 2027 has also been put on the table. The International Cricket Council Board has banned biologically male players who identify as female from international women's cricket. New gender eligibility regulations stop transgender cricketers who have been through male puberty from playing the international women's game. The ICC board said it approved new gender eligibility regulations following a nine-month consultation process with stakeholders. The board said the new policies based on protection of the integrity of the women's game, safety, fairness, and inclusion. And this means any male to female participants who have been through any form of male puberty will not be eligible to participate in the international women's game, regardless of any surgery or gender reassignment treatment they may have undertaken. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has cut national insurance for 27 million workers by 2%, as he outlined an autumn statement that set out battle lines with the Labour Party in the run-up to next year's general election. After a global pandemic and energy crisis, we have taken difficult decisions to put our economy back on track. We've supported families with rising bills, cut borrowing and halved inflation. Rather than a recession, the economy has grown. Rather than falling as predicted, real incomes have risen. Our plan for the British economy is working, but the work is not done. This week, a new front in Israel's war with Gaza was opened when Yemen's Ansar Allah movement seized an Israeli-owned cargo ship in the Red Sea. The Israeli Defense Ministry called the detention of the vessel an incident of global scale. Meanwhile, the office of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu blamed Iran for the incident. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. You know, in case you missed it, what happened in the Red Sea just a few days ago is a game changer. Ansar Allah, which is known as the Houthis in the Western media, this is the Yemeni resistance. They represent the government in Sana'a. They have fought the Saudi Arabians and the United States for nine years in a dirty war of attrition waged against Yemen to try to weaken the country and partition it, but it didn't work. The Yemenis fought back, and now they're really striking back, this time against Israel. They have seen a massive cargo ship in the Red Sea with a helicopter and a special ops team. The Houthis have their own Navy SEALs team now, and they've just seized an Israeli boat owned by an Israeli billionaire named Rami Ungar, and who happens to be the best friends of the Israeli defense minister as well. Could there be weapons on board? Well, we'll find out. Yemen's got control of this ship now. This is a game changer geopolitically, and they're doing so on behalf of the Palestinians. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick, and we'll have weather next. From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Let's look at the extremes. First of all, right across the country here, Methven, up to 19.1 degrees, up quite a bit actually, a good good one degree. The lowest temperature is supposed to be New Plymouth Airport, 10.9, but according to my reckoning, it's actually Stewart Island on 9 degrees, and that's the lowest temperature in the whole country. Everybody's in double digits, including Invercargill and Dunedin, and also Timaru, all on 13 degrees. Even Queenstown's 14 at the moment. The windiest place apparently is Lyle Bay. <laughs> Who would have thought? 31 kilometres per hour in Wellington. Uh, the wettest place to Milford Sound. It's uh, up a bit now. It's now uh, 6.6 millimetres per hour 
of rain persisting down there. Let's go over to weatherwatch.co.nz with our good friend Duncan and uh, let's look at the situation. First of all, there's a cold front that's going to be pushing north over the South Island today, bringing rain. Warm weather too, before the change moves in. It's going to be cold on Friday. Mainly settled in the North Island with a few isolated showers this afternoon for Northland and the Bay of Plenty. Some may become heavy as well. Northland, Auckland, Waikato and the Bay of Plenty. Morning cloud breaks to sun. Isolated showers develop in the afternoon for Northland and the Bay of Plenty. Showers for the Bay of Plenty may become heavy in the ranges with thunder and then clearing later on in the day. So that's good, isn't it? Winds from the west, uh, southwesterly quarter, uh, tending northerly in the afternoon with in the eastern areas, that is. West to southwest winds pushing through, though, to the east in the evening. Highs today of 21 to 23. That's your range. Yeah, for for uh, Western North Island and, and also the Central North Island. I don't know why they just don't say for the Central North for the Central and Western North Island. Why don't they say that uh, instead of saying for the Western North Island, including Central North Island in brackets? It seems like a bit wasted words for to me. Brevity is the um, oh I don't know spice or something. Uh, morning cloud and then sun with high cloud. I always love that Oscar Wilde the way he goes. Oh, he's got a wonderful way with words. <laughs> Just never forget that. It was an actor playing the part. I don't even know if he really said it. Probably did because there's so much written, isn't there, with Oscar Wilde? And uh, he was a rabid homosexual, but um, very clever man. In fact, a lot of people are very clever, aren't they? <laughs> Cleverer than me, but I like that just the way he said it. I, you know, like someone would say, like I sometimes use it when people are swearing on when they make comments. They go, "Ah, oh, yeah, for now, all this f and this and all that. Ah, oh, yeah, moron and all that." You know, when I start talking about things that they don't agree with. So instead of coming back with some real interesting information, some proper arguments, you know, arguing the data, they come back with ad hominem sort of comments. And I go, oh, especially if they swear, you know, some huge expletive or something that you know you wouldn't even repeat. Um, they, I say, oh, you've got, oh, you've got a wonderful way with words, and I just got, I just stole that from uh, Oscar Wilde. I think he's a funny, funny man. Uh, for the Western North Island, including the Central North Island, uh, wonderful way with words. There, you've got Duncan. Morning cloud and then sun and high cloud northwesterly winds. Showers overnight or perhaps around dawn on Friday. Uh, in, with a southerly change and your temperatures range from 19 to 22 for you. In the eastern North Island morning drizzle with a bit of cloud as well if this is for Gisborne. Cloud breaks by midday and then expect sun with uh, high cloud. North to northeasterly winds overnight rain for Wairarapa with southerlies. 22 to 24 degrees is your expected home. And now we're moving on over to Wellington, the hometown there. Wellington where we sailed in in 1842 actually we got here on the ship. And our ship that we came on, it was a uh, convict ship, actually. Well, there were more passengers when it was an immigrant ship. Well, that's not really an immigrant ship. It was a settler's ship because we weren't immigrants. Im- immigrants build stuff. Uh, no, they don't. No, no, settlers build stuff. Immigrants, they... They like they come they come for your stuff. Anyway, Wellington, where we sailed in on the Larkin, uh, I think the the rest of the family came in in 1849 on the Larkin, and I think it was about 550 ton somewhere around there not very big took five months to get here oh boy and the pregnant women they had a they had a pint of stout it was good for them bit of stout and they were stout women too some of those some of them would have been quite anemic i think coming from the uk they didn't have proper food over there ate lots of grains and stuff couldn't afford to eat properly but when we got here uh we we brought rabbits with us and hares and possums things to hunt for for a fur trade we had possums and what else did we bring in? We brought um, rabbits and stuff. That got out, a bit out of hand, didn't it? In Otago especially. But very tasty. I, I had a rabbit shot one the other day. Only trouble with shooting them with them, because I used the cheap bullets. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't got a twenty two. I should have a twenty two. I know. Every, every farmer has a twenty two, but I haven't, been able to, I haven't been able to find one I like. And I don't want a semi-automatic, because I, I find those things, you know, the, boom, you, know, you pull the trigger and you know you're ready to go again. I had a, a, an automatic, um, a semi-automatic, I should say, just watching a blackbird hopping along outside there. They're lovely, aren't they? Uh, anyway, yes. Uh, where was I talking about? Uh, yeah, um, shotgun. And it was an auto, semi-automatic. You know, you pull the trigger and boom, she's ready to go again. I just find that dangerous. So um, I go for the pump action. I think any day you've got to rack it back and forth. Uh, before you can fire another one, I like them; they're really good. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I would do. I've got, I've got one, one of those, and, and my and my son is really into the um, the old muskets. He makes his own gunpowder and stuff like that. Fantastic, you know, does his own lead. 
little balls and that. And um, there's actually a video. I might put it up on Liberty NZ. I'll put one up of me shooting a target. And gosh, I'll tell you what, that target was probably 75 yards, maybe even 100. It was way away. And it was a point five zero. And I think we were firing point point forty eight caliber um, round balls of lead into a steel plate, which was about eight mils thick. And I put a saw cut with a chainsaw in the fence post and um, slid this plate into it. And we were aiming at that. And you can hear me actually get it. And of course, my son lets out a terrible expletive. He's naughty like that. But um, apart from that, and he t- and he always ends the video too quickly. It would have been good. But you'll see me. See what I look like there with a, a bit of a beard and um, firing a, uh, a, 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 it was a cap one. This, we've got two types, really. There's two sorts. There's ones that came out before sort of 1840s. I think the early ones, and that's the one with the pan in it, where you've got your gunpowder, and and it goes, kapoor, you know, it's got a bit of a delay, and and sometimes if it doesn't fire, it just it, it's called a flash in the pan, <laughs> and you know they say, oh, you're a bit of a flash in the pan, and then the other one is don't go off half cocked, so there's two cocks, you go click click. It's quite interesting with these old um, muskets. They're not really; they're actually rifled. So in other words, they've got a spiraled rifle, so very accurate. And you can fire some really good, like, nice bullet projectiles. But we just fire the round balls. I find them pretty accurate. And you can bring down an elephant. Um, if you wanted to eat an elephant, that is. I have no plans on doing that. Um, and it's got my mind thinking about The Cruise of the Catchalot, another great book. If you can get hold of The Cruise of the Catchalot, they used to eat um, dolphins. Apparently they taste delicious. But anyway, getting back to the gun thing, um, point Point four eight or point four nine caliber, I think he's got. They're just fantastic. They're replicas of, you know, they come from Italy. We waited for, oh gosh, we waited for about a year and a half, and so. Um, but he's into it, and he's he's really good. He's very he's a very clever. He's, he's the academic in the family <laughs> for about the last three generations. He's really bright. He says he's not, but I mean, people that say they're not bright, people that think they're intelligent, often they're not. And those that often think they're not that bright, you know, quite often are the bright ones. That's might be my experience anyway. So what are we up to now? Wellington, partly cloudy with the breezy northerlies overnight. Reasonably warm, 19 to 22. We did Melbourne, didn't we? Mostly sunny in Nelson. Huge temperatures today. Could get up to 28 degrees for the Canterbury and also for, for uh, Nelson and Marlborough. Uh, in Nelson and Marlborough, that, Marlborough, that's at the top of the South Island there. Fantastic place. You could go to the Marlborough Sounds and you could just like, you know, potter around there in a little boat for the rest of your life, you know, all you could spend your whole life there. You'd never discover all the little bays. And uh, boy, and you've got a, you, no point in putting an anchor down because it's just so deep in these bays that you just pick up a mooring that's just too deep to anchor, you know, because you need, you need a fair bit of um, warp out, wouldn't you? That We call it warp. The Americans call it road, put out some road. And uh, when I go to bed at night on a boat, I like to have a five to one so that means five times the depth I put out. If I'm just coming in for the day, you know, just to have a cup of tea or something, a cup of tea to lie down, I'd probably just put out three to one. So I'd put out sort of three times the depth. And I, I go on high tide as well. Uh, three times the depth, the depth at high tide. Even if it's half tide, I still put out three times the depth. But five times at night. And sometimes I put the whole lot out. <laughs> you know, if it's going to blow a, you know, blow a gale. Um, just put the whole lot out. And, of course, I'm awake all night when there's a big gale coming or a storm. Oh, gosh. The amount of times I've been in storms, uh, far out, you know, and you just don't get any sleep. You're, just, you're, just, you're in, you're in the, sort of the size of the boats that we had when we were younger, you know, a 30-footer or something in a bay. Up, I remember being in one up in um, the Bay of Islands in a place called um, Paradise Bay. I can't remember the Maori name of it, but you'll know, Paradise Bay. And there was a howling storm there uh, over the Christmas break which is always over the Christmas break, isn't it? And I'm sure they direct them <laughs> just to spoil your holiday. Um, and it was blowing, fair old blowing 50 knots solid, you know, and uh, this little boat, you know, plywood boat with fiberglass over the top, which is a terrible combination, really, because you get a bit of water in, it just sort of sucks into the, and it runs down the entire length of the sheet of plywood. And I think they built it, I actually know the people that built it, and they built it out of construction ply. They didn't build it out of marine ply, so... You had to watch it. So, yeah, you don't want to get... Anyway, I'm, oh, gosh, I'm going on. Anyway, let's get back to the weather. Canterbury, mostly sunny and warm with some high cloud. Rain pushes through late afternoon, though, for you in Canterbury. 
um, and that's it right through until the evening as well. You've got northwesterly winds. To, it's going to change to southerly though as the day proceeds. Still very good temperature today, between somewhere between 23 and possibly 28, depending on where you're standing. For the west coast, mostly cloudy, heavy rain for Fjordland spreads north in the afternoon, and then it's clearing in the south from evening. Northwesterly winds changing to southwesterly in the afternoon. It's going to reach Buller in the evening, and it's not that high, into 16 degrees. Could get up to 22 in places, just depends where you are, I suppose. Wear a hat today. Uh, Southland. In fact, I'd definitely wear a hat in Canterbury today, for sure, wear a hat. Don't worry about that sunscreen, because uh, it's very bad for your skin. There's all sorts of rubbish in it. Don't wear it. If you just want to get out of the sun, just wear a long sleeve shirt, a pair of trousers, and a hat. That's that's how we did it in the old days. For Southland and Otago, dry at first, and then you can expect showers. Rain moves in around midday as the northwesterlies change to gusty westerlies. And then you've got to southwest as well. Rain is easing to showers in the afternoon, so that's good. Perhaps clear for a time, and then beefy showers, they move in again late evening. That's for Southland. Overnight for Otago. And perhaps a chance of hail as well. And you've got some snow flurries uh, overnight, uh, down to about 600 metres. And it's very sort of mercurial, the uh, temperature at the moment, if you'll pardon the pun. 14 to 23 is the, um, is the highs. And I'm just, I, I quite like that song. Let's have a listen to that song again by Klaus because um, we didn't really get it. It was chopped in half as the news came up at seven, seventeen past seven. Here's Klaus again with his latest, uh, latest release for just in time for Christmas. You heard Klausy McSchwab's first two records. Back, scenes back, all right. You know nothing and be happy. But this one is going to make your modified mRNA tingle. Time Lies presents. Greatest Schwab's, Volume 15. A new world order in music. One, two, three, four, five. All the unvaccinated are still alive. A little bit of Pfizer in my arm. A little bit of BioNTech does no harm. A little Johnson Johnson does the trick. A little AstraZeneca so you don't get sick. It's booster number five. Let's talk about Rex, baby. Let's talk about Doc Fauci. Let's talk about all the weird and counting side effects, maybe. Let's talk about Rex. Let's talk about Rex a little, little, little. Come and take the seven shots, the seven shots. This a little luck you get. My, 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 oh. My, 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 this. You won't have to be rich. With CBDC, you'll have all you need with central currency. We just take your extra wealth and your cash. And you can walk 500 steps, but not a single step more until the curfew activates and robot cops stand at your door. Just a small town boy drinking Genetically modified soy This ensures he doesn't co-create Please stop the bleeding Stop the bleeding We are almost 9 billion people Please stop bleeding right now Feed and start to Pfizer. We just made you take it, even if you hate it. Greatest Schwab's, Volume 15. Now available on Spotify and MRN Apple Music. All the caterpillar tastes like chicken in vine. And mealworm tastes just like a steak. Ain't nothing better than a deep fried butterfly or centipede protein shake. Be sure to check the cricket mag nuggets out. They're almost as crunchy as worms. And chew your great grasshopper sandwich extra loud. Cause this is all you get. I don't care. Who you are, where you're from, don't care what you want, you will eat a bar. 
Willie means fun and schwerble. The Willie. Snick, Ling. Oh, that was funny, wasn't it? Hey, look, more fun coming up. We've got some news. 20 past uh, seven here with Grant Edwards at the Liberty NZ Breakfast. Uh, I like this bird. Oh, she's got the great, great voice. She's done, she does a lot of good characters, but this is the, her best, best character, if you ask me. John Moore Plumbing. It's 2 a.m. and I'm not asleep. I'm not either. Are you having insomnia too? No, I'm having a phone conversation. When I can't sleep, I read the yellow pages. Do you ever do that? No. Anyway, I saw that John Moore Plumbing is open 24 hours a day, so I thought I'd call. Oh, well, yeah, John Moore Plumbing has a 24-hour emergency service. Do you have an emergency? Well, I'm desperate. Does desperate count? Are you desperate about your plumbing? Sometimes. How about tonight? I'm sorry, I have plans for tonight. Uh, no, no, I mean, do you have leaking pipes or backed up toilets or something? Hold on a second, I'll check. When you have a plumbing emergency in the middle of the night or the middle of the day, call John Moore. Call 590-5555, 24 hours a day, and you'll always get prompt service when you call John Moore Plumbing, even at 2 a.m. Toilets are fine. I can't see the pipes. Why not? They're underwater. I'll be right over. I'll set a place for you. John Moore Plumbing, 590-5555. Call John and get more. Hmm. Uh, I can't make my mind up where I'm going to go next, uh, whether it's the spot, uh, uh, stuffed.co.nz, whether I go stuffy, or whether I go to News Hub and News Scrub, someone called it the other day, or I could go just to news, abc.net, but I don't know. It looks all sort of a bit foreign, really. Oh, there is some problems up in northern Perth. They've got an emergency happening up there. Fire, bushfire warnings in place for, I can't even pronounce this word. It's Marigan, Mara, Mara, oh, is it, would it be Mary, Marig, is it? Marigan, Marigany up. That's North Peru. Oh, don't, don't laugh at me. I can't help it. I was born, well, I wasn't born like this. It was after the jabs. Dad said, Mum, I've told you so many times. Uh, Mum and Dad said that you, you just we went, took you in for your vaccinations and then all of a sudden you stopped asking questions. So they didn't give me any more jabs, but that was bad enough. So I'm I'm vaccine injured and I've had a learning disability <laughs> ever since. I'm very slow, very slow. I've been married four times. <laughs> I just I just had to, I gave it a try and it didn't work out. I should have stayed with the first one. She was quite lovely. My friend said she was an angel. Her name was Linda, and I met her when I was seventeen, and and I was a bit naughty. Mum and Dad were very good. We're a Christian family, but still, they didn't really come down hard on me. They probably should have done. They probably should have said, no, no, you can't do that. You can't move in. But they kind of let me. I was kind of strong-willed, strong-headed. I left home at about 17. I just wanted to get going, you know. So anyway, I moved in with Linda. She was a bit older. She was 23. I moved in with her. She was she was living with a drug dealer at the time, but uh, she left him for me. <laughs> she was. No kidding. And um, yeah, apparently he got caught in, a, in um, the um, the Hyatt Hotel. I, th- I don't know what they call it now, but it was called the Top of the Town. That was where I used to go and watch my drum teacher because I used to learn to play the drums. I started playing the drums when I was 13. And oh, oh my ride's here. Oh, they're coming for me. I thought they wouldn't find me. I'm, I'm actually broadcasting from the bunker, but I can hear a helicopter f- flying over. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. It's not a gunship. Anyway, could be worse, couldn't it? Uh, what was it all about? Linda, yes. And uh, her boyfriend, um, I won't mention his name, but uh, he did. He got off because his parents were wealthy and they had you know, good lawyers. And uh, he got caught with a gun. Can you believe it? In his briefcase doing a, a drug deal. This is sort of like in the mid to late 60s, I think it was. 70s, 70s. And um, oh, it, was, it was unbelievable. $60,000 drug deal. At the Hyatt Hotel, I think they, I'm not sure what they called it back then. It was the Hyatt. They've changed it probably again. I can't keep up with the names. They keep, all these foreigners keep buying our motels, don't they? Hotels. This is in downtown Auckland. He got caught and um, he got off. But the other guy went to jail. He got off. Uh, I, I've got his names on the tip of my tongue. I know it. I, I could say it. Why can't I? Graham. I won't say any more, okay? Anyway, so she was, <laughs> she was living with him on a, in a farmhouse in Gisborne. And, and so, oh, no, I better not say any more because this could incriminate her. No, we won't do that. Anyway, it was terrible. There was undercover cops. You know, they'd moved into the farmhouse, one of them. But he took a shine to Linda. And uh, so she got off as well. But she, I mean, she wasn't going to do too much, I don't think. I mean, she was just going to drive the, the Land Rover out to pick up the package that um, Graham was going to tr- uh, drop from his um, Cessna 172 <laughs> onto the farm with the truck. But he got caught. 
and he took a gun, a pop gun. I don't know whether it was a real gun or whether it was one of those little slug pistols. I'm not sure, but he got caught anyway. But he got off. Can you believe it? He got off. And then, um, and then I came along, and it was love at first sight when she saw me because I was handsome in those days and had hair, long hair, and no receding hairline. Um, of course, now I don't have a receding hairline at all now. I have no hair at all. Oh, a little bit of hair. I just I keep it shaved. Um, actually, the most hair I've got is around my face, actually. I find that's, that's why we make up for it. It's a bit like men that drive around in big cars that you're just trying to make up for something else, you know. That, well, so they say. That's what I've heard anyway. So anyway, so that was me, you know. So yeah, I was a bit slow. Um, and I, I blame everything. I mean, never take full responsibility for anything, do you, when you're young? I blamed everybody. I blame the vaccines now, you know, for my... And I can't blame my parents because, you know, the doctors, so flippin' doctors, they were... They talk people into things, don't they? Oh, it's lovely, but they're getting paid, you see, by Welcome Group and all the others, Bayer and all that. They they give them a golfing holiday in Cancun or somewhere. You know, it's all that sort of stuff. And you, you have a look on the desk, you know, they've always got all these little trinkets that the um, medical reps give them. Oh, there's a rabbit running down the hill. Look, let me play a song. I'm just going to go in and shoot it in the backside because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I haven't hit a rabbit for a while and I've got, no, I'm going to do that. Like, here's Catherine Tate and then straight after that we've got Dennis Prager and by then I, hopefully I'll bag this bunny. Is that cake? Yes, yeah, Sarah's birthday cake. Mm, I thought that was cake. It's lovely. Is everyone having <coughs> cake? <coughs> what is it, chocolate and buttercream? Chocolate fudge. Chocolate fudge cake. I used to love that. Hmm? I said I used to love that. Sorry, do you mind if I just finish this email? I'm not having any cake. I'm cutting down. Sorry, do you want me to move it? I didn't mean to tempt you. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine, because I'm in the zone. And when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone. <laughs> God, you're lucky. I haven't got any willpower. I've been really strict with myself since last Monday. Well done. It's just dropping off. Good for you. Guess how much weight I've lost. Oh. How much weight have I lost <laughs> since last Monday? I've no idea. Okay, have a guess. I don't know. Come on, look at me. Have a guess. Well, I didn't think you needed to lose any weight. Boring! Whatever! How much? Just guess! It's difficult to say. Don't be annoying! Just guess how much weight I've lost. I wouldn't like to. Just guess! Stone and a half? <laughs> a stone and a half? A stone and a half in a week? Oh, yeah. Of course. Ten pounds? Ten pounds? I haven't got dysentery. <laughs> Right, forget it. <laughs> three. Three pounds. You've lost three pounds. I've lost two pounds. <laughs> That's a good start. Yes, it is. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> Happy now! <laughs> 29 minutes past 8. Now, I missed that little blighter. He just went round the corner and I, I, the old shotgun, I should have put the narrower choke in it. It wasn't enough to um, to affect him at all. It's just maybe, I don't even, no, I didn't even pepper him actually. missed him by a country mile. I should have got off my backside quicker. I saw him there and I thought, oh, if I'd gone straight away, I would have been able to get him. So that's good because nothing, I'm quite partial to a rabbit, especially the bigger ones. I did a small one the other day. I got, oh, and it was a waste of time cooking it really. Not much. Uh, I, really, the best part of a rabbit, I do the whole thing in a pot, one of those campfire ovens. I put it actually in my oven, and I put a bit of uh, Worcester sauce in there, and sort of, what else do I put in there? A bit of olive oil, um, a few herbs and spices and things like that. And I even put some bay leaves in sometimes. That's quite nice as well. And I basically just cook it for a couple of hours on a slow heat um, in the oven, inside the inside the camp oven with a, as well. So it's all in there, nice and snug. And it just falls off it. So I just basically put the whole rabbit on. Uh, so two things I'm going to do today. I'll put a picture of the last rabbit that I put in the pot. And um, and what was the other thing I was going to do? There was something else I was going to do. Oh, yeah, I'm, I have a, uh, there's going to be a short video that my son took. And he's, he's, he lets out an expletive, so I'm sorry about that. But um, it's me firing a, um, it looks like an old musket. And it's one ones with a cap on it. They're really good, very quick action. Not like the other ones with the, Pan and I don't even know the names. You know they've all they've got the hammer, but there's two different types of um, 
of musket, but it's not really a musket. It's actually a rifle. It's very accurate, and people hunt with it. I mean, you could bring down, like I said, you could bring down an elephant or a buffalo or something like that if you wanted to. Okay, now we um, we're going to. Uh, I guess we'll have a look at Radio New Zealand. It's bang on half past seven, and um, we're over here looking at New Zealand news and this confusion over who's responsible for Transmission Gully in Wellington. Here, the environmental impacts. A landmark Wellington motorway once lauded for its green credentials is being investigated over its alleged negative environment impacts. That's the headline. Auckland Council offers uh, funds for risk homes at risk from natural hazards. Oh, okay, this is a planned retreat. <laughs> if you want to know more about that, you go over to Countersman Media, those um, uh, people over there, and uh, Samantha Edwards, she's got a, uh, she's done one on the on the planned retreat. And now what's hers one? She's done one on Smart City. She's done about nine of them anyway. Very interesting. Uh, so Samantha Edwards reports there. Uh, she did, also did one on Winston Peters as well. It's called Winston Rhines again. So go over and check it out there at Countersman Media. Now, anyway, getting back to this uh, planned retreat thing, Auckland Council, they're, they're to vote on uh, the way forward for damaged homes that can be salvaged if work is done to protect them for future hazards. Uh, that just came out. And there's a Pahuta car which, which predated Europeans' arrival here in New Zealand. Uh, has It's toppled into the sea, a small coastal town in the Bay of Islands, is mourning the loss of a much-loved tree. Gosh, I decked. I, I deck him like they're going out of fashion. I felled two... Is that my rabbit? Oh, no. Um, I felled two uh, dirty big um, toaches. I love uh, chopping the toaches down. Uh, once I cut it... Oh, I better not say what it was, but anyway, I kind of regretted it because it didn't really... I didn't really do what I should have done with it. It was a nice tree. Anyway, so the um, totra, beautiful, beautiful tree. We've got totra posts here that have probably been in the ground for, I don't know, 50 years or more, and they're still holding up. Dirty, great, big things. They split really well, so that was why they, they used an ads and they um, just put them in the ground. I think they put a might have put a bit of dry matter around it or something like that, but they, they last. And But the ones that really last are those concrete posts. They're brilliant. Absolutely, but they've got reinforcing in them, and they they go forever. But imagine that having to dig them in on the hill. My granddad, he was my mother's father. He was um, a farmer, but he also did fencing contracting, and he did it in the hills, you know, up above um, Copperdoreau and all around there. Gosh, you know, and he had a I think he had a donkey as well or a horse that used to take the um, because it was all sheep farming in those days, and um, a lot of sheep farming. And uh, so they used to have to take the battens on the on in the big saddlebags for the battens. And but he was very strong. My um, now who was it? My uncle who died not so long ago. Actually, he said he was the strongest man that he'd ever met. And my uncle, uh, he was very strong himself. But uh, yeah, my and I think that's where I get my super strength from. <laughs> no kidding. I I know you. When you see me shooting the gun, I don't look very much. It doesn't look like much to me. I'm only about five foot eight. Not even that. I don't think I'm five foot eight. Thereabouts. I used to weigh nearly ninety kilograms, which is quite a big fat bastard for a you know someone my height. And um, but now I'm only sixty eight kg. So I've come down. I'm looking a bit lean. But the trouble is, when you lose all that weight and you're old. Um, you just get these sort of like looks like sort of ripples on the water, but they're running down your body. <laughs> and I was good when I got to about seventy-five kgs. I didn't look too bad; looked quite sharp, you know, kind of um, not bad for an old codger. Because uh, you can tell that I, you know, I was, you know, like Charles Atlas, looked quite good. Charles Atlas, for the young listeners, that he was a um, um, oh, muscle man, I suppose. Charles Atlas, um, or Frank Zane, or who else have we got? Lou Ferrigno. Um, who else? Who were the great ones that I used to look, think were quite good? Back when I was eighteen, I was into a bit of um, a bit of toning up. But anyway, where am I going with this? Uh, da, 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 um, what are we talking about? Muscles. Yeah, when you get older. Oh, I don't know. I can't even remember now. Anyway, let's go and uh, see what else they've got on the boil here. Uh, look, putica. Oh, trees. I was talking about trees, wasn't I? Yeah, I fell them all the time. And uh, you've got to watch yourself, though, felling trees. You'd say, you know, I, phew, the, I mean, the, I've, I've probably felled, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 big trees uh, in my little career of um, tree chopping. I'm, I quite like it, quite good at it, quite good at pruning them too, climbing up with, with the spurs and, um, you know, limbing them with my little, you know, 12-inch chainsaw, little, um, I don't know, what have I got? Can't even remember what it is. I've got about I've got about six chainsaws. Anyway, um, so, uh, yes, you do have to watch it, and it's not, and, you know, you might think, oh, well, look at the tree, you see it's sort of, 
um, leaning that way, all right, so it should probably be best to fall, fell it that way. But if it's got a lot of branches hanging off the other way, you know, for some reason, you know, like it's trying to lean out and get the sun one way, but it's got all these branches, you know, and you've got to look at that and you think, gosh, that'd be pretty heavy. So even if it is leaning that way, it might just want to fall back on my chainsaw blade, my my chain blade. And uh, so you've got to watch for that. And the other thing you've got to watch out for is windage. I mean, a great big canopy, a big tree, uh, if the wind is getting up there, it can it can blow it the way you don't want it to go. I and mean, even though you put a nice nick in it, I don't know the technical terms, I just do it, put a big cut in it, uh, a big nick on the way you want it to fall and line it up, you know. Oh, you're going to drop it down there between the house and the garage. <laughs> I'll just park it there next to the trailer and the car. Um, you've still got to be careful with windage, you know. And so sometimes there was one I did the other day. It was a pretty big one. I suppose it was 30 metres in total. And it would have been just about getting to the max for my mill. So it'd be about 30 inches, 31 inches diameter. So it's quite a big girth on it. What I do is I, I cut the top part of it for firewood. I ring that all up. And um, and I leave it at least you know, like a four meter or four and a half meter length of it. it. Looks like if it looks like it's going to be good, I use that for for boards for the cabins and stuff like that around the property because we haven't got any cabins at the moment. But that's the plan anyway. Lord willing, we'll have some cabins. My my job is my contract here on this farm. A part of my employment, uh, my my um, my partnership. I have to um, build uh, build a number of cabins uh, for the main shareholder on this farm. And, and move the cows around and make sure they don't die. In the three years that I've been here, I think I've lost three cows, three calves. You know, sometimes they go down into a valley or something and get stuck in the bog. Anyway, trees, getting back to trees. Yeah, so you do have to watch out with the old chainsaw. It's a bit dangerous. Anyway, so what I do is when the wind is sort of going the wrong way and I think, gosh, no, that's the best. I don't want to sort of like fell it so that it jumps down the hill and I've got to end up limbing it when it's on a hill. I don't like, at my age, I don't like to be working on the side of a hill. So I try and drop it where I want to drop it, where it's going to be easy to work. And um, But you do have to watch that windage. And so what I do is I use the wedges. I never used to use wedges, but I did after once I felled a tree near the road. And luckily it wasn't a busy road. <laughs> anyway, I put the nick in it to fell it on. It was going to fall onto the, onto the farm. This is another property. And what do you know? The wind was blowing and it blew it. Even though it was only, only had a sort of like, it wasn't a big tree. It was probably only... Or oh, 16 inches diameter and what was it a pine tree I think and it fell back on the jolly blade and it kept on going and I even had a rope around it but it was a, it was a neoprene rope I think one of those ones that stretch a bit neoprene I think it would have been and I had it tied to the tractor and do you know what it just stretched and fell on the road and luckily no cars were coming and Osh didn't catch me, but it fell on the road, so I, had to, I ran out there with my chainsaw and cut it up and dragged it back on, off the road, you know, so get the broom out. <laughs> and, uh, oh, gosh, I was lucky. That was the only time, and I thought, right, from now on, make sure you take into effect, into account the wind, the effect the wind has on trees. So you've got to watch that. That's what they do tend to blow over. Another thing that happens, I've found, that if you clear out some trees... Sometimes the other trees will blow over because you've got rid of some uh, trees which were, be, which were protecting the trees and the other trees they don't root properly. And then when you take those trees out, the other ones will blow over and you know the next gale that comes through, they blow over because they, they just haven't got the, they're not rooted properly because they've been sort of mummied, if you like, sort of babied, <laughs> been looked after by the other trees protecting them from the, the strong winds. Now, Thanksgiving, we've got some Americans here um, that is becoming friendship giving for Americans living in New Zealand. Of course, they didn't say New Zealand, they said some other foreign word that some Europeans made up, AO something. Uh, most American, holi American holiday, it, it, it's a what? It's a most American holiday. It's a most American holiday. Oh, yeah, I suppose Thanksgiving is, I suppose. Um, but for many U.S. immigrants living in New Zealand, finding their own way to celebrate Thanksgiving in New Zealand, they use another word, which I didn't want to put in there. Uh, oh, I better click on it now because I'm not making any sense whatsoever. And they look American. Oh, they look lovely. Yeah, they look lovely. Americans look nice, I think. They're having Thanksgiving meal. And um, 
Let's talk turkey. They love turkey, the Americans. This week, millions of Americans will gather around the table for the holiday Thanksgiving. But here in New Zealand, many Amerikiwis uh, who've migrated here dish up their own spins on the annual feast. Thanksgiving celebrated the final Thursday of uh, November. It dates back to the earliest days of the American founding or founders uh, and has its roots in harvest festivals worldwide. Did you know that? And it's also a distinctly American holiday, which leaves some who live aboard feeling nostalgic for the meal filled with turkey, cranberries. We've got turkey here. We've just got to shoot them when there's no R in it. You know, that month that hasn't got an R in it. I shot one the other day. It was delicious. Delicious. The legs are a bit tough, though. You've got to cook them forever. But the, I couldn't tell the difference between chicken and turkey with the one I, I shot. Gosh, it was a job, though. Feathers everywhere. <laughs> Next time, I'm just going to take the, I'm just going to take the steaks out. And just leave the bird, just pull the stakes out, don't even worry about gutting or anything. But I had I had feathers all over the show for ages. and I But I didn't, normally what you do is with a duck or something, you dip it in boiling water just quickly, you don't want to cook it, you don't want to boil it. And that helps the feathers come out. But when it's when you've just shot it, I just shot it straight away and um, started plucking it straight away. But I won't do that again. Next time I do a turkey, I'm just going to ping it and then try and do a headshot because it's not much fun eating bits of lead. Yeah, and could get lead poisoning. But anyway, I, you just pull out those steaks and forget, leave the rest. Or, or you could boil it up, I suppose, and or just leave it for the dog to eat. You know, dogs. You know, people mollycoddle. They mollycoddle dogs. I mean, dogs. What you do is just chuck them a possum. Don't even bother skinning it because they're eating. They're wolves. Dogs. I mean, it's microevolution. All the dogs around, even the even the Shih Tzu, <laughs> came from a wolf. Thousands of years ago, five, six thousand years ago. The first ones, you know, the first, Adam and Eve, uh, he named them all. And the first one was a wolf. There were no dogs because dogs are wolf. That's what they are. They're wolf. And they've just micro, micro, not macro, micro evolutioned over the last 6,000 years. And that's how you get all these different breeds of doggies. But just chuck them. They're a wolf. So just chuck them. They're a wild animal, really. We've domesticated them. But just throw them a possum or something. Let it sit for a few days. You know, they like it even better. They'll roll in it then but while they're eating it. But they need to eat a bit of guts, a bit of... Poo, bit of you know, sort of um, droppings, and all the all the innards, all the lovely stuff, all the organs, and some fur as well. The dogs need fur and a bit of skin. It's all that good, sort of beautiful fat in there amongst the skin, and um, the whole deal. Just give them the whole possum. They they won't choke on it. They're they're wolves. They're wolves, not wolves. <laughs> so they it's fine. It's fine. You, you molly coddle them. Um, Seventeen minutes to to eight. Oh, flip. Flippin' heck, and we better get back to the news. Anyway, Thanksgiving, so what are they doing, these Yanks? Oh, we all call them Yanks, even if they aren't, you know, from New York or somewhere. The Yanks are the northern guys, really, and the southerners, they're, what are they called? Americans. Um, beer, yeah, Americans, how about a beer? Drinking beer. Uh, so, but we call them all here in New Zealand, we call the whole lot Yanks. And this, they do the same in the UK, they're all just Yanks. Over here, overdressed. Oversexed and overpaid. Um, so Thanksgiving is a favourite holiday. Yeah, oh, anyway, so that's what they're doing. They have to do it differently over here. So what do they do? Yeah, she's cooking a turkey, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's found a turkey. Gosh, she looks like she's overcooked it. She looks like she's um, quite plump. This particular woman, Susan Templer, you need to lay off the carbohydrates, love. That's what you need to do. I think just eat meat and you'd be fine. I could get all that weight off you. I would say that you weigh... You're only five foot six, and I reckon you would weigh a hundred kgs by the look of you. You do need to get that weight off because it's going to shorten your life, and you've got kids that love you, and it's just not fair on them for you to die early. So get rid of that weight. Don't worry about dieting. Just eat meat, lovey. Eat meat. It's a complete lie when they say that you shouldn't eat so much meat. Fat's bad for you. Remember when they said butter's bad and margarine's good? Now it's margarine's bad and butter good. Uh, but butter has always been good. Cheese, all the all the protein stuff. Eggs, eggs. Remember they said, oh, too many eggs cause a heart attack? Absolute rubbish. I tell you what, carbohydrates are what causes the heart attacks. Actually, one, number one cause of myocarditis and, and pericarditis would have to be the um, mRNA, wouldn't it? Yeah. We're not going out on YouTube, so I've got no fear of losing the channel at the moment. So anyway, Thanksgiving. There we are. That's an interesting story, isn't it? Carbon farming. Let's get on to that. Uh, on Maori land. Ooh, assets or liabilities. I'd say liability. I, would, I wouldn't have anything to do with Maori land because, gosh, they've got calculators too that work in their favour. So this is the Mingarangi Forbes and uh, Annabel Lee Mather. 
Uh, they're investigating the growing concerns around the Maori carbon collection and its elusive managing director. Who would that be? Would we? Oh, no. Can we be bothered? Who's the elusive married? Oh, you can go and have a look at that. It's over at Radio New Zealand if you want. A woman's $400,000 luxury yacht has been seized for money owing. <laughs> That'll be an American. Uh, the woman who bought a luxury yacht, uh, which uh, that was later seized due to money owing on it, has described the man who sold it to her as the most unpleasant and deceitful person. I know that face of that guy. Yeah. We'll just look at the headings and I'll come back to that story because that guy there, he, yeah, I've read about him before. I know his face. He lives here in New Zealand. I'm absolutely sure of it. A new proposal to help boost the Tianao Manapuri Airport. Oh, that's the one that they're all up in arms about, aren't they? Uh, the airport's been running at a loss. Oh, no, running at a loss since the inception. But the Southland District Council is hoping to see the airport financially viable and sustainable. <laughs> I don't like that word. Uh, female dual with teachers sex with two students uncovered during a police probe <laughs> to school. That'd be every boy's um, dream, wouldn't it, really? But boy's dream, anyway. <laughs> when you're a young boy, oh, gosh, you always fall in love with your young teacher. We had young young German, I think she was Swiss, I think. Oh, we used to ride. We used to ride on our bikes to the swimming pool at Bath Street, and um, she'd be teaching us. I think her name was Olga or something. She was. Oh, she was probably only about. She looked. I don't know. She's probably twenty-one or something. Student teacher, and we were all in. All the boys were in love with her. Gosh, it would have would have been fantastic. But you know, <laughs> and we were, she was driving on it. She had a moped, and we were on our bikes. You know, she had a moped, and I remember she wore a dress, and it went up in the air a bit like um, what's her name? Um, like you know, like an umbrella, uh, sort of. It sort of flew up with the wind, and you know you could see all the legs and that, and it was, um, and the boys were woohoo. Uh, that what was a bit like um, who's that that one um, where she go, she walks over the top. This is some uh, movie star uh, Marilyn Monroe. She walked over the top of one of those grates in New York City, and the dress came out. It was a bit like that. One of those scenes. Anyway, it's anyway it's, disgrace, it's disgraceful, really terrible. And now when I think about it, but back then, you know, when you're just a naughty boy. You know, 11-year-old or 12-year-old, we're all in love with her, including my friend who's now a doctor and, you know, a very good Christian. Um, we're all in love with her, actually. Uh, anyway, uh, I think her name was Olga or something like that, Olga, something like that. We even learned how to speak Swiss uh, German so that we could um, talk to her. We said, Guten Tag, Fräulein, wie geht es Ihnen? A female Dilworth teacher whose sexual relationships disgraceful. I mean, now I'm old and doddry. I think it's disgraceful. But back then, uh, I, and one of my friends actually did have a, um, a weekend with a teacher in Levin, actually. I won't mention his name because he's married now with grandchildren, probably. And he did. He spent the whole weekend. And us kids, oh, we were thinking, ooh. I won't, I won't say his name. I'll make up a name. No, I won't even say that name. Anyway, Levin. And it was at the Levin, at the new college. Um, that would be the Levin Waipehu College which um, our fat, my brother, he didn't go there. He went to Wanganui. Not what? Yeah, he went to Wanganui Boys Collegiate, I think. But before then, he was at Horofanua for a while, but he didn't do very well. He was backward like me, vaccine damaged, and so mum sent him off to boarding school where he was beaten by by um, the older boy. <laughs> the older boy made a man of him. Anyway, this, fe- this female Dilworth teacher whose sexual relationship with two students three decades ago, oh, that was ages ago, it's old news, uh, how old would she be now? She's probably at 20, 30, 40, 50. Oh, boy, yeah. Um, uh, has been discovered, has been struck off off the teacher's register. Well, she's probably time for retirement anyway. She wouldn't care. And now also police inquiry into the unexplained death in Levin. Oh, that's my hometown. Uh, but we're just talking about Bath Street. Um, police were called to a Bath Street address at around 3 p.m. where they found the body of an 85-year-old woman. Nasty. And Michael Wilson is now the seventh athlete of Kiwi Heritage to sign up for the NFL. What's that? NFL. That's the National Football League, I suppose. That's where they wear you know, proper safety equipment. And they, they hit hard, those guys. You'd need to, though. They do head-high tackles. They tackle the man without a ball, which is, I think is disgraceful. But that's what they do. Uh, although not born in New Zealand, but they didn't say New Zealand, did they? These halfwits at Radio New Zealand, the um, fake stream media that's financed by us, the taxpayer, they used some, a word made up, an invented word that was invented by Europeans in the education department. Aotearoa. Uh, anyway, so Wilson's Kiwi auntie is a legendary soccer player, Maureen Jacobson. 
and he has become the seventh athlete of New Zealand heritage to grace the fields of the NFL. Good on you, mate. And Kai Raki is set to sail soon. The Inter-Islander uh, GM, the general manager, says that one, one metre hole in the ship of the Kai on the hull meant that hundreds of bookings had to be cancelled while they patched it up with a bit of uh, steel. And uh, daughter found guilty of murdering elderly father by setting his house alight. You rotten little... Oh, I won't say. People don't like to hear you swearing. I, I did I did know this. I don't know why. I sort of forgot about it. And I was saying to my friend yesterday, who's hopefully he's going to be doing his own radio program here, Dennis Hall, he'll be doing it. I'm hoping that John Answer will do it as well, and also my friend Lisa. All these people that I think are just amazing. Lisa is a stand-up com- comedian. She's Mr. Calling. She, instead, she worked for the CIA <laughs> and American in Tobacco. She was undercover in South America. <sighs> Lucky she's still alive, frankly. Um, and her father was a secret squirrel as well. Anyway, so hopefully she, during the Second World War and the Korean War, he was into encryption and stuff like that. But anyway, she'll be doing a show here as well, Lisa. Uh, and uh, so that'll be fun. Hopefully she'll do that. She said, I just, I'm just, i not sure what I have to talk about. I said, just you just, just be you. You're amazing. And so hopefully we'll have more talk and less country music because I'm getting the word that you people out there don't not really f- fans of country music. That's why we have 90... That's why pretty much uh, 50% of our listeners are from Canada and probably, I don't know, 30% are from the United States and then the rest of them are from New Zealand. It's because they don't really like country music. So we're going to get off country music altogether. We're just going to jibber-jabber all day. We've got to try and make it interesting. So when I retire and get the, um, get the handout... <laughs> I'll be able to really make my radio station something and I want to make it I want to turn it into a news talk New Zealand news talk and that's my dream to do it and I want to have some really interesting people and uh, eventually once the, once we grow big enough I want that people can phone in talk you know and have all sorts of half wits and, and lovely people as well intelligent New Zealanders talking anyway getting back to the story it was on the east coast here the jury in the trial of Lynn Marie Martin at the high court in Gisborne Gisborne, I think they just say Gisborne, they don't say Gisborne with an E. Uh, it reached, they've reached their verdict after about two and a half hours of deliberation. It didn't take them long. They delivered the verdict on Wednesday afternoon. What was the verdict? She'd be guilty, isn't she? She looks like a big fat thing too. Look at her with the mouth turned down. Never, I'm always very weary of people with turned down mouths. Depressed, depressing people really. Got to be, got to smile. Yeah, just make a pull a smile like this. The woman on trial for murdering her elderly father by setting his house alight has been found guilty. Good on you, you rotten cow. Yeah, good on you if you are. I hope you are guilty. And uh, she's to be hung by the neck. Uh, no, Oh, no, she's not. She's going into jail. We have to pay for her for however long that's going to be. I don't know, 15 years. She looks like she's about 60, so I'd say she'd probably die in prison. Well, no, she's a woman. They'll probably let her off. Um, they'll just... Yeah, she's a woman. They let women off. It's only the... Uh, Maoris and women, they get they let them off. Catch and release. So she'll be let off. That other one that murdered her three kids, then she's out and about. What's she doing? She's uh, skittering from one psychiatrist to the next. She'll be on the old psychiatric drugs. The jury in the trial of Lynn Marie Martin at the High Court in Gisborne reached their verdict with only two and a half hours into the deliberations. It was delivered at 3.20 yesterday. And uh, Martin, who had displayed little emotion throughout the trial, she called bitch. Uh, she burst into a loud sob at the hearing of the verdict. Fancy that, killing your own father, you rotten, you horrible person. Justice Helen Cull. Oh, that's a good name, isn't it? Cull. We should do a bit of culling of these murderers. Uh, remained, yeah, judicial executions, I think, is what's required. It's so much cheaper. I think just a twenty-two bullet, too, is the answer around the back of the courthouse just to build a concrete wall around the back. They just walk them around the back. Hangings, too much fluffing around, you know, and you got all this, you know, too much, too many people involved. Just um, send some, send a few boys around the back there, sort them out straight away. Why should we have to pay for these people to be locked up and psychiatric? This it's a blimmin' industry, isn't it? Apparently the prisons aren't even full. Apparently they are not full. They're going on about, you know, how you're going to, like Winston Peters saying, it'll lock everybody up, you know, lock all the marries up. They're committing crime. After all, they are committing all the crime, aren't they? And old Asian women are committing all, uh, <laughs> they're causing all the road accidents in Auckland. Old Asian women. That covers everything, doesn't it? Old, the elderly, Asian women. Yeah, that covers, got, I've got all my bases covered. But anyway, so he's saying lock them up. But apparently, uh, and this and the other ones, you know, Andrew Little and all that lying through his buck teeth. He says, gosh, he's evil, doesn't he? He just looks evil. I reckon. Uh, he's one of the most um, scary-looking people in the country, he's Andrew Little. Yeah, no wonder he did. No wonder nobody liked him when he, he became... Didn't he become Prime Minister for a moment? Someone someone re- resigned or retired? Wasn't, um, 
I think it was. Um, oh, anyway, I thought he was. Maybe not. But anyway, um, there's there's prisons that are not full at all. They're empty. That's because they're letting them all go. Letting them go, catch and release. There yeah, we, we do that with fishing and tra- you know trout fishing and um, you know br- a broadbill up in the Bay of Islands. But don't don't go doing it to criminals, you know, and don't let them run around with a blooming bracelet on their ankle because they just put the tin foil around it and then they go off and murder someone in a high rise building uh, in Auckland CBD, which they did, and it was terrible because I remember two of the guys, a couple of island chaps, and they'd been working on building sites together for twenty years. These guys, and this little Maori bastard came in there and shot them up with a gun. And uh, it's just all. And what I think, you know, it makes you wonder whether there, whether there's some kind of mind control going on. But it, and they and they always say, oh, we've got to look at tougher gun control laws. No, we don't. He, could, he probably would have pushed them down the elevator shaft if he didn't have a or stabbed them, uh, if he didn't have couldn't find a gun which he borrowed from his gang member mate. Um, can I borrow your shotgun? <laughs> I just got. I just got to go and see to give someone a seeing to they were rude to me yesterday they they offended me on the site i rang mum i said they upset me i'm too good for this world and um so then he went down and uh, did his business and these two maori guys uh, island guys just terrible working together imagine that just working away next thing you see this young maori bastard who's who's out on um flipping parole you know he's, he's got a bracelet on he's working away there in his boots cut a nice slot in the leather to fit the, you know, so that you can strap the work boots on around it. <laughs> I know where I'd hang it. Anyway, uh, so, and he did that, and, you know, and then he shot himself in the lift. So they say, police police reckon they didn't shoot him, reckon he shot himself. Apparently it was a pump-action shotgun, probably one of those little short Mossbergs or something like that. But anyway, it's not a gun control issue, it's a mental health. The guy was clearly mental. But I suppose if you've been growing up in the, you know, in the Marais and that, they're telling you that white, white bad, white bad, Maori good, um, you know, and, you know, uh, colonialization and all this sort of stuff. But then I suppose he didn't really shoot white people, did he? shot some islanders. Why would he do that? They must have said, oh, get working, you lazy Maori. Probably they did because the islanders and the Maoris don't get on. They fight. The, they call them the coconuts, don't they? They like a fight, but not during working hours. They like to come and they go to the pub and get pissed. And then they have a fight <laughs> in the car park out the back. Anyway, so anyway, they found her. They heard evidence over getting back to Gisborne, this, this woman that killed her own father, you rotten, horrible cow. Uh, so the jury heard evidence over 12 days. Didn't take that long. Uh, that was in courtroom number one. I don't know why that's important. There was a full public gallery as well. The defendant didn't call evidence. What? The defense didn't call evidence. And the jury didn't hear from Martin. That's her. That's the woman that's accused of murdering an old man. Uh, though they did hear her voice in hours of conversation recorded on hidden devices. Oh, really? Uh, but they heard from about 50 witnesses, including Martin's brother, John, and her husband, Graham. Uh, they also heard about a conviction she had for arson <laughs> in Australia. Her and Erin Patterson, the mushroom murderer. <laughs> oh, she's not. Hang on, she hasn't been tried yet. Uh, she's the, what do you say? What's the word you say to cover yourself when you're going to say something incriminating? Uh, alleged, yes, she's alleged to have murdered them, her, her a mother and father-in-law and some other person as well. But anyway, so they heard about this conviction that she had for arson in Australia back in 1999, 99, and a conviction was... Um, was allowed to be mentioned because the Crown, in a pre-trial application, successfully argued that it showed she had the propensity to behave in certain a certain way under certain circumstances. Well, I think all women have got the propensity <laughs> to behave in a bad way. I love women. If you wanted to, if I was going to describe women in two words, it would be. Let me think about this. It would be beautiful, crazy. <laughs> 